and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. We want to start the show by giving the biggest shout out to all of our amazing listeners who donated pillowcases to our 1 million pillowcase challenge. We did a little segment on the show last week and got quite a few emails of people telling us they donated and even some packages delivered to our office full of pillowcases from our listeners. So we're now less than 2,000 pillowcases away. So we just want to say thank you and keep donating if you can. On today's show, we're talking about pre-cuts why we love them, tips for using them, and how we store them. Many quilters love pre-cut fabrics, so this is our little ode to them. We also chat with Jessica Vandenberg of So Many Creations. You'll love hearing all the tips she shares. So, let's dive in. Quilters love fabric pre-cuts. Pre-cuts are pretty, look great on your sewing room shelves as decor, and make cutting and sewing a project so much easier. There are a ton of benefits to using pre-cuts and also some tips for making them even easier to work with. Today I'm here with Allison Gam, the designer of Quilts and More magazine, to chat everything about pre-cuts. But first, for those who may not be familiar with the term pre-cut, can you give us a little history, Allison? Pre-cuts are basically what they sound like. Fabric that is pre-cut from a selection of fabrics in various sizes. They provide quilters a palette of colors in a ready-to-use size, which can jumpstart a project. They came about in 2006 when Moda Fabrics introduced Jelly Rolls, which are bundles of 42 fabrics cut into two and a half inch wide strips. Many companies have followed in their footsteps over the years, packaging and selling their own versions of pre-cuts in different sizes and shapes. You might hear different names for them, such as layer cakes, roll-ups, pops, charm squares, and many more. Pre-cuts typically are die-cut when the fabric is printed. And fabric manufacturers, they work hard to ensure that uh, pre-cuts and yardage are delivered to quilt stores simultaneously so that quilters can get their backing and border fabrics to complete their projects made using these pre-cuts. One of the greatest things about pre-cuts is that they're easy to use, right, Allison? Absolutely. Depending on the project you're working on, you can use the pre-cuts straight out of the packaging with no additional cutting required. Common sizes are two and a half inch wide strips, 10 inch squares, five inch squares, two and a half inch squares, fat eights, and more. Two and a half inch wide strips are one of the most popular of the pre-cut sizes, because they can be used as sashing, borders, and binding without having to go to the work of cutting all those strips. And of course, we can't forget about fat quarters. Fat quarters are technically pre-cuts, but many quilters don't always see them that way. So fat quarters are 18 by 21 inch pieces of fabric, which 
is pre-cut because that's not a standard size you can get off the bolt, but because it's a larger cut of fabric, you most likely wouldn't use this pre-cut without cutting it down even further. That's a great point. Many quilt shops sell fat corners individually, but most other pre-cuts are sold in bundles. For instance, you would never just buy one five-inch square at the store, but fat quarters have become so popular that quite a few quilters will just buy them to bulk up their stash of prints that they love. Lindsay, what other things can people make with pre-cuts? I mean, honestly, the possibilities are endless. Uh, Because of the popularity of pre-cuts, you can now find tons of patterns and books devoted to pre-cut friendly designs. Some are simple, like just sewing 10-inch square pre-cuts together into like a basic patchwork quilt. I know I've personally made one of those. But many involve sewing the squares or strips together to make other basic units like triangle squares or four-patch blocks. And you can mix and match different sizes of pre-cuts too. So don't think you can't find a more intricate or challenging quilt if you plan to use pre-cuts. You can. And the best part is that no matter how simple or complex the pattern is, your quilt will always look great because of the coordination of fabrics included in each pre-cut bundle. That's probably one of my favorite things about pre-cuts. You can easily get a whole fabric collection without having to buy each piece individually. It saves time hunting down each piece of the collection, and it also saves money. I personally love to buy pre-cuts if there's a particular fabric collection I can't resist, but I don't know what to make with it. Before that fabric line sells out, I want to make sure I at least buy some pre-cuts to use later. Lindsay, I know you also like to stock up on pre-cuts, right? I do. (laughs) I hardly ever have a plan for fabric when I buy it, so many times I'll just stock up on fat quarters of the color fabrics I'm in need of, or I'll buy a bundle of squares like 10-inch or 5-inch if I just love the collection and want to make sure I own the fabrics for future use. I find that the smaller squares are great for cutting up for like English paper piecing or applique, especially if the print has, you know, some potential for fussy cutting. And I can sometimes be picky with my pre-cuts, though, because if there are a few prints in the collection that I don't love or think I'll have a use for, I might skip buying the collection altogether or just buy yardage of the prints I love. Pre-cuts can be really handy, but you, I, don't, I don't personally like to spend money on buying a bundle of fabrics if I only love half of it, say. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, Pre-cuts also make great gifts for the quilters in your life. So I know I'm not alone when I say those little two and a half inch square pre-cuts are irresistible. Sure are. (laughs) They're they're usually tucked right next to the register at quilt stores. So I just can't resist grabbing a pack or two. However, the size can sometimes be too small for people's liking. So I like to gift five inch square packs to quilting friends. They're usually around $10 each, which is a great affordable way to give your friends some fabric without breaking the bank. I love it. I definitely wouldn't argue about receiving that for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about storage of pre-cuts. Allison, do you store your pre-cuts in a specific way? So I keep all of my pre-cuts in their original packaging and I store them in clear plastic bins. Since I have limited space in my sewing room, all of my pre-cuts are tucked away in a closet with some of my other sewing supplies. All of my pre-cuts are sorted by size, so all of my 5-inch squares are together and all of my 2-inch squares are together and so on. 
If I purchase a fat quarter bundle, I tend to keep the fabrics together until I know what I'm going to make with the collection. But if I'm just buying individual fat quarters, I just store them with my regular yardage. Yeah, I, I think fat quarter bundles look so pretty sitting on my shelves. And I even have my mini charm packs and these little fabric baskets I made, which is also kind of fun to see on display in my room. But sometimes I take the bundle off the shelf and use some of the fabric in a project. And once you pull some of those fabrics out and cut them up, it never looks pretty in a bundle again. <laughs> but many times if I've used at least like maybe a fourth of the fat quarter bundle in a project, I'll just separate the fabrics by color and organize it into my stash. And for pre-cuts that are 10 inches and smaller, if I use a good amount of the collection, I'll just cut the rest up for my scrap bin. Um, I find that the smaller sizes uh, are more challenging to store. So once I kind of dig into them, I just don't have the space to keep a few five inch squares from a collection sitting around. So they'll be better used in my scraps. Okay, now let's move on to some tips for using pre-cut fabrics. Allison, do you have any favorite tips to share? Yes, this one may be obvious, but it's really important. Don't wash your pre-cut fabric. Some pre-cut fabric will unravel and you'll have a mess when you pull the fabric out of the washing machine. And washing can shrink the fabric, which will defeat the purpose of buying pre a pre-cut at a specific size. That's so true. I know some people just automatically wash all their fabrics, but that would be sad to do to your pre-cuts. <laughs> Absolutely. And another thing that can mess up the size of the pre-cut is if you're trimming the pinked edges. So most of the pre-cut squares and strips have pinked edges to keep them from fraying. Um, those points on the outside count towards the overall size of your pre-cut though. So if you trim them, you're losing part of the pre-cut size. Uh, that can be especially confusing if you didn't know that or you're you know, measuring or starting to sew your quarter inch seam allowance from the outside of the pinked points, your units could really start turning out smaller than you anticipated. Another thing you might notice about pre-cuts is that they shed a little more than yardage does. So when you open something like a strip set, run your lint roller over that cut edge, and it's really going to help alleviate the lint as you're working on your project. Just remember that it may not be the best day to wear your nice clothes or black pants when sewing with pre-cuts. Yep, I've made that mistake before. <laughs> if you buy pre-cuts that are rolled together like a jelly roll, it's also a good idea to just press them flat before you sew with them. This will just help iron out any creases or folds formed from just being stored that way. Pre-cuts are so fun to collect and use in your projects. If you weren't already a pre-cut lover before the show, we hope we've inspired you to try them out in an upcoming quilt. Thanks, Allison. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, Allison is chatting with Jessica Vandenberg of So Many Creations. We'll be right back. Hey folks, it's Hunter Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Food & Wine. This fall, we're launching the new Food & Wine Classic in Charleston with our partners at Southern Living Travel and Leisure, and we want to see you there. This incredible three-day culinary experience will showcase the hospitality, food, drinks, and culture of one of our favorite cities in the country. Join us September 27th to 29th to learn more from iconic chefs, share a glass with innovative wine experts, and get to know Charleston with one-of-a-kind experiences curated by the experts at Food & Wine, Southern Living, and Travel and Leisure. Tickets are on sale now at foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. 
That's foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. See you down in Charleston. Welcome back. Now I'm handing it back over to Allison for her interview with Jessica Vandenberg of So Many Creations. Take it away, Allison. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start out and uh, have you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started sewing and quilting. Uh, so I am a born and raised New Yorker, um, upstate. Um, and so my grandmother taught me when I was probably about seven or eight, how to sew. She was not a quilter or a bag maker by any means. She just liked to sew for the house and make clothes. Um, and so I've been sewing for as long as I can remember. I would, I think it's around 2005. I started uh, quilting. I saw some magazines and I saw a television show about quilting and I was like, well, that looks cool. So I want to try it. And I just kind of jumped in and then uh, that led me into bag making because I had an endless supply of, uh, of things to and fabric and different supplies and I didn't know what to do with them because I didn't know how to finish my quilts. <laughs> <laughs> awesome and you also have designed fabric and your first line came out with Wyndham in uh, 2018 and I know you've designed some other fabric since. Can you talk a bit about your design process and what you use for inspiration when designing your prints? Sure. Um, yeah, in 2018, Gypsy came out. That was my first line. And then in 2019, Juniper came out. And those are both with Wyndham. And it's funny, I I always thought that I was not a, a caliper to be able to design, design fabric. I don't consider myself artistic in that way. I don't think I have great drawing abilities. Uh, but I, when I was talking to them and talking to the art director, they were like, if you can just communicate like your ideas, we can definitely turn them into fabric. And being a bag maker and a quilter, I wanted something that worked for both. I love big, bold prints for um, quilts and especially for bags. I wanted bright colors. I wanted it to be happy. Um, I didn't want anything that was going to be too seasonal, something that had darks and lights and brights. And so that is kind of what led me down that path. I like to have bold prints, but then also, you know, smaller prints that can be used in the background of quilts or for linings of bags. And that's kind of how that process started. And they walked me through it, you know, kind of helped and made some suggestions. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Both of my lines without me really trying or planning had butterflies and bugs and things, um, just, you know, fun little critters and flowers and it was a really fun experience, and I am actually not with Wyndham anymore. I have moved on to another fabric company. Fun. So perhaps more fabric designing in your future? Yes, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I um, I took a break from um, designing for Wyndham, and I actually moved into Batiks. So Ooh. my first line with Banyan Batiks, which is part of Northcott, will be out. Um, it's slated for spring, so probably around April or so next year. And I've always been a boutique lover. It was one of the first things I, you know, gravitated towards when I started quilting. And I think they look awesome in bags. So I wanted to try something new. I'm always looking for the next fun adventure. And designing boutiques was was something that also happened. Uh, a friend, a close friend of mine, actually runs that part of Banyan, and we talked a while ago. And she said, "Yeah, come on board. Let's design boutiques together." So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's really fun and exciting. And I love that you you know, think about prints, how they'd work in, you know, both quilts and bags. That's a really smart idea. 
Absolutely. I being a bag maker and leaning more towards that myself, that's, you know, where my thought process is, but I also do still enjoy making quilts. And I know that there's such a big quilting community still, and I want to be part of both of them. So sure. Yeah. <laughs> might as well be in both camps. Exactly. <laughs> so you have designed a lot of fun quilts and bag patterns. Um, and I know, especially in your bags, you like to use different materials, um, especially cork. So can you talk a bit about cork fabric and what drew you to it and maybe some tips for people wanting to try it out? Sure. Um, so when it comes to cork, well, when it comes to bags, I don't want my bags to look homemade. I want my bags to look handmade and boutique quality. And I think that's what my customer base really wants too. There's definitely been this surge of you know, higher quality bag making I've noticed over the past, you know, probably five or six years. I've been designing bags for about 10 years now. So I've noticed a big swing in that. And people want things that you kind of blow someone's mind when they look at it and go, wait, you made that. And <laughs> so the cork happened because I, I love Instagram. I love, you know, just scrolling on my phone and looking at pretty pictures. And this person that I follow on Instagram kept referring to cork leather and cork fabric. And I finally messaged her and I said, what exactly is that that you're talking to? I thought it was vinyl or like a printed um, substance. And she said, it's real cork. It's from Portugal. And so I just got super excited. I ordered a piece. And as soon as it came in, feeling how soft and pliable and how um, how durable at the same time it was, it really intrigued me. And not long after that, I started sourcing it myself, selling it on the website. And we do really well. It's probably my number one seller on my website and on Etsy, just because it's actually really easy to sew with. It's um, easy to fix if you have a mistake. There, It's a little bit more forgivable than vinyl or leather. It goes through your domestic machine much easier. And that was a big appeal to me. I like vinyl and I like leather. The prices can get up there and you feel kind of nervous if you make a hole in it or if you ruin it. It was so expensive. Cork is actually really, really forgiving. I have top stitched and done some stitching and then not liked it and taken it out and run a hot iron over it. And it actually helps to... Um, close some of the holes and the texture of it hides whatever is remaining. So it's really, really easy to work with. And even if you're brand new and have never worked with it, you can put it right on your machine and start sewing. It's um, it's a really great product and it's eco-friendly. So that's what I really like. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, people initially hear cork and think of probably cork boards and like hard crusty <laughs> cork. If you can get your hands on some of this cork fabric material, it is so soft. It kind of, it, you know, it threw me a little bit because I was expecting the same thing. They were talking about how, you know, soft it was and how pliable. And I thought, but wine corks and cork boards aren't, it's crumbly and hard. Mm -hmm. And that was what really hooked me was how incredibly soft it is and how flexible it is. So it's actual cork. It is made from the bark of the tree, but it's a different process than your cork boards. So it's not that crumbly, you know, soft, um, fall apart kind of substance. It's a really, it's, it's cool. The things that they can do with it. Yeah, definitely. And it does look very nice in your bag patterns. Thank you. Um, so I am definitely a quilter and I admit that 3d things kind of scare me. <laughs> and I know there are a lot of quilters who feel the same way. It's kind of easy to start with 2d things. Um, but you know, what advice do you have for those of us who are used to just making quilts, but want to get into bag making? So when it comes to bag making, um, like I said, I don't have any kind of background in bag making. Nobody in my family has or does now and probably ever will make bags <laughs> besides me. Um, I don't come from a long line of, um, of crafters. 
but um, it's just, I was so intrigued by them and I didn't understand them and I didn't understand the terms, but I just was determined to make a bag. My suggestion would be start with something simple. Um, start with something that's not going to be super overwhelming that you need to gather lots of uh, hardware and different supplies, something that has maybe just one kind of interfacing, something that's really um, a quick and simple make so that you can stand back, look at it, be proud of it. You've made something in a few hours rather than a few days. We all know quilts can take, you know, depending on what level they are, they can take days or they can take weeks. Pick something easy, get into um, the routine of making a bag, learn some of the information. There's so many videos and things that you can watch and just, you know, just jump in. Don't jump in with your best fabric that you've been holding on to forever, just in case you're not super pleased with the results. And I always tell people, don't make it as a gift. It puts this extra added pressure on you when you say, well, it's my first bag and I want to make it for my sister and it has to be perfect. And then you get super frustrated and you get anxious. Just have fun with it. Relax, make something for yourself and just know that that first bag will be good, but every bag after that will be even better. That's such great advice too, to not, you know, you want to, you feel like, oh, I'm going to jump into my first bag and use my favorite fabrics. But you know, if it doesn't go as planned, then you're out that exactly. great fabric. That's exactly. Great advice. <laughs> Save that for when you're a little bit more comfortable and you've made a few bags and then you can make something really special. Yeah, exactly. So I know you teach classes for your patterns, which is also a great way for people, you know, wanting to learn new bag making skills and things like that. Are you still doing classes right now during the pandemic or do you have resources on your website for people to learn? I am not doing classes right now um, just because it's hard to, obviously we can't really travel and I think it would be very hard to teach a class with all of us wearing masks and just trying to communicate. Um, and most of my local shops aren't having um, people teach right now. I haven't done any Zoom classes. It's something I am looking into to try to um, to figure out what size group works and how it will work. Because I know for you, the person sewing, you have to worry about your computer or your tablet and your sewing machine. So I just want to make sure it will be easy for everybody. But what I have started doing, um, because I never had time and I'm actually kind of excited about it, I finally started a YouTube channel. I actually have a lot of tips and tricks videos on there. I do Facebook every single week with lots of tips and demos. And I have a few full length videos. Some are for purchase, some are for free. And I'm trying to educate in that way so that you can get quick and easy easy in and out um, and not have to worry about sitting for six hours in front of a computer. Um, I am always accessible. If you have one of my patterns and you have a question or you need a suggestion, I am always around via email. I get messaged a lot on Facebook. So I'm always around to teach, even if it's not in the traditional way I'm used to. Sure. That's awesome <laughs> to be, you know, so available to your customers. So we're just going to go through some fun, quick questions. Okay. Um, so do you have a favorite cork fabric color that you like to use? Um, this is going to change from week to week, <laughs> of course, because <laughs> I just, as soon as I get something new, I like it. Right at the moment, it's um, the iris, which is the real deep blue purple. Um, and I always like the natural because it just has that that same texture and it looks like cork. So that could change tomorrow, but as of right <laughs> now, that's what I'm, what I'm loving. There are so many different colors to choose from. <laughs> um, is there a fabric print or motif that you just can't resist buying? 
if it's a big print floral, if it's a rifle paper company or a tulip pink, it's going to come home with me. It's just the <laughs> way that it is. I love, I, I'm a girly girl. I love florals and really feminine, fa- um, you know, fabrics. And I love big, bold prints, especially on a bag. So anything in the florals, and especially if it's a canvas, I have to have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have um, a favorite hardware finish to use in your bags? I know they come in all sorts of different colors. We carry six different finishes. And again, sometimes this will vary from day to day. I am obsessed with the rainbow finish, but I really love the rose gold too. It's just a pretty coppery color. And I don't know, it's it's more than just the basics. Silver and gunmetal are great, but I just love that little extra. Yeah, and I'm sure that rainbow looks great with your big Tula prints. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, do you have a like a great beginner friendly bag pattern in your shop for people who want to kind of dip their toes in? Absolutely. Um, My favorite one for beginners is the Taurus tote bag. Um, The reason I love that one, the entire bag has eight pieces. They're all interfaced. They're very easy to cut. It's minimal fabric and you can use a really bold print for the top and like really show off, um, you know, how that print looks. You can fussy cut if you want to. You'll learn how to make handles, how to box corners, and there's no zippers, pockets, or hardware. It's like really nice and basic so you can learn some of the terminology without being overwhelmed. Uh, The Diva Wallet is still my number one seller. And that one, believe it or not, is beginner friendly. Even though it has a zippered pocket and a piece of hardware and it looks more complicated, it actually takes about the same time as the tote bag. So those are probably my two favorite. If you're not a tote bag person, maybe you'll make a wallet. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was so great chatting with you. Thanks. It was was so fun. I haven't been on a podcast like this before. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Hey, it's Lindsay. I just loved Allison's chat with Jessica. Jessica actually designed a series of bag patterns and our four issues of Quilts and More this year, so you may have already seen some of her amazing work in our magazines. Jessica is an amazing resource for all things bag making, as well as easy and pre-cut friendly quilt patterns. So we'll link to her website and social media sites, as well as all the resources she mentioned in her interview in our show notes so that you can connect with her more. Now we're getting close to Thanksgiving, and we wanted to give our listeners a last chance to be involved in our Thanksgiving podcast. We're doing a show called Count Your Quilty Blessings, so we'd love to hear a story of something or someone that you're thankful for in your quilting life so that we can share it on the show. So if you'd like to share, you can email us your story at apqpodcast at meredith.com or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 515-257-6870. Everyone have a great week. all and thanks for listening keep in touch american patchwork and quilting is on facebook pinterest and instagram at all people quilt email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us 
Have a creative week. Thank you.